Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. The Magic Story Podcast recaps the fiction story behind the card game, Magic the Gathering. And Natalie and I throw in our own bits of flavor text along the way. Whether you've been playing Magic for years or just discovered it yesterday, this podcast has something for you. So this season is following the set Murders at Karlov Manor. Today's episode is a recap of episode eight of the fiction story, which is titled Gods of Chaos, written by Shauna McGuire. Join us as we head into the multiverse. Okay, so a quick recap of what happened last time. In episode seven, we started off with Kaya and Kellen as they were back in the agency trying to put some clues together. And while they were doing this, Anzrag, the giant mole god that was currently in the evidence capsules in the agency, escaped said evidence capsule and was just wreaking havoc on the agency. So Kaya and Kellen had to jump in into this epic fight against a giant mole with a star nose. It was very cool. And with the help of Ezrim, they were able to contain Anzrag again. Meanwhile, our Boros ghost, who's helping Kaya and Kellen on the investigation, Agris Koss, he went to investigate Rakdos. And he essentially determined that Rakdos has not been disturbed for so long that there's dust settling on Rakdos. So he was able to determine, it was real to us, that Rakdos has nothing to do with the murders. Like, Rakdos has not moved. And while he is reconciling this, he is actually captured by Judith. And she has him contained now inside a crystal skull. And uh, she she said, you're not part of my grand plan. And, and so it's kind of revealed here that Judith is... Judith is not responsible for the murders either, but she's kind of using it to her advantage um, for some unknown reason. And meanwhile, Proft and Atrata visit Izoni. And Izoni is from the Golgari, and she essentially has the ability to understand natural substances that uh, occur on Ravnica. And she investigates the powder substance that Proft and Atrata had found in Atrata's hideout, um, and they were hoping to get Kylox to look at it, but um, unfortunately, Kylox uh, didn't make it um, and didn't get a chance to to look at this powder. But Izoni it had revealed that this is a natural substance on Ravnica that no one has ever seen before, not even her. Um, and so there's kind of this mystery over what this powder substance is doing here and what it's trying to accomplish. And so at the very end of last episode, Kaya, Proft, and Atrada secretly meet in the Orzov Cathedral, and they recount all of these details to each other over everything that Kaya and Kellen has been through at Vitugazi and uh, coming across Tristani and coming across Voja and the and the Moss people and all and, and Anzrag escaping from the agency. She kind of reveals to Proft um, everything that she has gone through on her side of the investigation. And Proft... At the end of last episode, we don't know how or why, but he essentially says, I know who did this. For some reason, the clues that Kaya had given him had kind of set off a light bulb in, in Proft. And he, we, we left off last episode saying, I know who's behind this. And we have no idea who or how Proft got there. So 
that's that's a that's a recap of what happened last episode. And so I'm so excited to dive into today's episode because it kind of picks up right where we left off. Kaya is on the porch of Vidugazi at the start of today's episode, and she's greeting the guild leaders as they arrive. You see, she has sent out invitations to all the guild leaders of Ravnica to come to Vidugazi and hear out Alquis Proft. And Judith arrives first, and she is not amused. She arrives on a coach pulled by a pair of winged horrors. And this is from the story. It was painted matte black with bloody trim. Even without the guild symbol on the door, she would have easily have been able to identify this as the carriage of the Rakdos representative. The door swung open and Judith stepped out, resplendent in a long red velvet dress, trimmed in black and topped by a black leather bodice that gleamed like burnished steel in the early light. She wrinkled her nose as she looked first one way and then the other, finally focusing on Kaya. When I was summoned like some lackey, I'll admit I expected a more impressive welcoming committee, she said, a sneer in her voice. Kaya just calmly welcomes her, as well as all the other leaders who arrive after Judith. Ezram comes next, only he's hauling a chariot with a centaur in gruel colors behind him. And the centaur is Yaris, the extremely angry gruel leader from Tasa's party, all the way back in episode one. He was the one who was yelling about how it was wrong for the agency to lock up their god, Anzrag. You know, the same Anzrag that got loose in the agency last episode. But Ezram just confirms that Yaris wasn't the one who set Anzrag loose. Yaris is certainly still upset his god is in an evidence capsule and captured, but he's seeing it as better than dead. I mean, many of the guilds wouldn't hesitate to put Anzrag down, but the agency is keeping him relatively safe. So Yaris is cooperating for now, and he just has no reason to have done this. Vanifar of the Simic Combine arrives just after Ralzarek, our Izzet guild leader and former planeswalker we haven't seen much of in this in this fiction story since his brief greeting to Kaya in episode one. And then Krenko, of course, shows up last. Freaking Krenko. Krenko's gonna Krenko. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone here is gathered in Tristani Sanctum in Vitugazi, awaiting Prof's speech. So to say tensions are high is an understatement. I mean, Aurelia seems like on the verge of pulling out her sword and starting the war right here. But then Proft makes an appearance alongside Atrada. And most of the guild leaders, including Ezram, are at first ruffled by Atrada's presence. I mean, remember, she's a wanted escapee from Azorius custody. And so arguments break out immediately among the group. But eventually Ezram calls everyone to order. And all the guild leaders agree to hear out Proft before taking any action. But before Proft reveals the truth, he asks Kaya to speak in private. And Tulsimir guides them to a small, shabby room off the main hall. And in this tiny, shabby room, Proft just goes still and starts staring at the roots of Tristani wrapping around this room. And when Kaya asks what he's doing, the roots begin to shift. And this is from the story. The movement proved to be a white, worm-like root, uncurling from the pattern in the wallpaper, spiraling into a thicker base. That base swelled and expanded, becoming a bud the color of a bone-deep bruise. It began to open, petals spreading delicately wide, and for half a heartbeat, it seemed as if the flower were taking a breath. Proft clamped a clear glass evidence jar over the flower just as it began to emit a puff of yellow-gray dust. Pollen or spores of some kind. Would you be so kind, he asked, gesturing towards her dagger with his free hand. 
Kaya blinked and rose, pulling the dagger and leaning over to slide it under the edge of the jar, smoothly slicing the entire flower off the wall and into the waiting receptacle. Proft sat back in his chair, snapping a lid onto the jar. A flash of blue-white energy suffused the glass, finally identifying it as a field evidence collection container. Its contents would remain in stasis until they were needed. Completely confused, Kaya asks what this was all about. I mean, a random flower grows out of the wall. What is Prof doing? (laughs) What is he doing? She has no idea what's going on. But Prof assures her he's going to tell everyone everything. So they return to the main hall where everyone is waiting in anticipation. Kellen has also joined them at this point. And in a very long-winded fashion, and I mean very long-winded, Proft begins to reveal how all of these clues are interconnected and how he deduced who is responsible for these murders. He goes on for many, many pages about this. So Natalie and I are just going to give you a short summary so that we're not just reading dialogue at you. (laughs) Yeah, we aren't Proft. We don't need to gloat. Okay, so let's reveal this, shall we? The first clue was the methodology of using regular citizens to attack guild leaders, where they have no memory of the attack. I mean, we had already kind of connected this, like Harless and I and, and, and the readers had kind of already connected this throughout the story, but Proft brings it again to attention here. The second clue was Anzrag, how the god managed to get loose in the agency right as Kaya and Kellen were getting closer to identifying the killer. Whoever freed Anzrag would have had to have had clearance to do so, which Yaris does not. Then Proft goes on to tell us how these were all connected. The places the assassins last remembered being. Krinko's killer was heading to the florist. Atrada was just hanging out in her hideout. And Tase's killer was just running an errand. To subdue these people, turning them into assassins required more powerful means than just coercion through obvious means. Which leads him to the powder Izoni had identified. The powder from a flower that Prof now has contained in a jar. I'll read this next part from the story. This flower is not Phyrexian in origin. It shares none of the attributes of their terrible creations. And while I believe it to have unnatural origins now that it exists, it is a fully natural thing. One which may well plague us for years if it successfully takes root and spreads. I knew that if I came here and declared that I was on the cusp of unraveling the mystery, I would make a target of myself, and our killer would have no choice but to attempt to eliminate me at once. They depend on secrecy to continue their terrible work. Announcing my intent to interview you all was a ruse. By selecting a famous interplanar assassin as my first interview, I presented the perfect opportunity to strike. Who better to kill me and flee the scene, only to be so ashamed of her actions that she can never return to Ravnica? And as Proft goes on to say, Proft turned to Tulsimir, nodding respectfully. Only one guild has the botanical skills to create something of this nature, and the respect for the balance of nature to make its effects limited in scope. This is a creation of the Conclave. Our killer is a member of the Selesnia. Once we accept that simple reality, everything else begins to fall together. The roots of Vitugazi spread throughout the city. No crack, no crevice, no corner is concealed from the great tree. It's a perfect mechanism to deliver something as natural and inobtrusive as a flower anywhere in Ravnica. They grow quickly 
seize control of their victims for long enough to allow the true mastermind of these murders to execute their plans. And then they wither, vanishing, untraceable. They were even able to sprout one of their flowers inside agency headquarters, compelling one of our own agents to release Anzrag from the evidence locker, which I was able to verify by asking one of my contacts to check the area for traces of the pollen. Anything to keep us pointing fingers away from Selesnya and at each other. And this is when Proft turns to Tristani. She said nothing, only continued looking back, the expressions on her three faces completely out of alignment. Sez glared, narrow-eyed and furious. Sim, in contrast, was wide-eyed and horrified. Oba looked almost serene, like she was detached from the situation. And Tulsimir abruptly steps forward, claiming that he's responsible. He did all of this, murdered everyone, but... He's a bit too desperate to have everyone believe him, because, as Proft points out, he's trying to cover for someone else. Someone important to him. Precious to him, even. And that is Tristani. Proft swiveled to face the rest of the room, beaming broadly, a man who had finally been allowed to do the one thing which brought him true satisfaction. Tristani did this. All of it. She's been behind it all along. What? That's and that is that is how we end the episode. <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole episode. And you're like, what does it mean? What do you mean? What? Yeah. Like, Tristani. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, why? It, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the that's the that's the immediate question that I had at the end of this episode was, OK, it made all sense. Like, like Prof's deduction skills are on point. He is absolutely correct. It couldn't be anybody else. But why Tristani? Why is she doing this? She's killing people. Why? What's the motive? We didn't get that in this episode. It is a bold move to accuse the Tristani, which is so important to Selesnya, of doing anything bad. But let's keep in mind, he is accusing the Dryads of life, harmony, and order. So you, like, that's bold, right? Of murder. He's he's accusing the Dryads of life, harmony, and order of mass murder (laughs) like that like you wouldn't suspect that at all like that no yeah and we don't really get clarification here like a why like we just said but or if it's right right like Tristani is just kind of staring yeah like confused at Alquist as he's like Tristani did this and We'll have to wait till next episode to see what happens next and to see how Tristani actually responds to this accusation. But I just was so, I thought, my first thought was Alquist knows this implicitly. Like he completely understands that this is the truth or he would never have accused Tristani. No, he would have so no that ulterior motive think... to accuse Tristani no. of this unless he was absolutely sure that it was Tristani. Do you know what gave it away for me? Um, when Kaya and Kellen went to Vitugazi a few episodes ago, uh-huh. Kaya was even remarking that Tristani was acting strange. It was it was yes. only mentioned so briefly that you would overlook it, you know, but she did mention that Tristani was acting strange. Like it wasn't the Tristani that is is typically part of the Selesnya conclave. There was something off about the dryads. And and I think that's when it kind of clicked for me as when when Prof turned to Tristani and was and was accusing that Tristani did this. I was like, oh, oh. 
And and it all makes sense because there was fur, if you remember, the moss people that attacked Kaya and Kellen, there was fur in the moss remains. It was wolf fur. It was Voja. And and I was yeah, like, oh, that's it was what I was Celestia. gonna say. The whole time I was gonna say when I saw that, I thought, well, I immediately thought it's Voja, right? Because of the white and gray fur. And Voja is described as like this giant wolf with white and gray fur. But then I doubted myself because I thought, well, there are animal people <laughs> that exist right. in the it multiverse. Could have been anything. And so yeah. that, I don't want to jump to conclusions. But now that Tristani has been accused, I'm like, oh, it was wolf fur. It totally was Voja's wolf fur. And that makes me think like it told Samir knew, which he's being accused of. Yep. That yep. he had something to do with the Moss people. Yeah. And and I think Tulsimir is protecting Tristani, right? As yes. as he should as the guild leader. He he might even be trying to understand the motive himself while protecting his conclave. You know, like I'm thinking that's where yeah. if you were Tulsimir, if you put yourself in your in, in Tulsimir's shoes, like you would his want whole... to protect your guild and Figure out what's going on. Yes. His whole responsibility is to Tristani, is to be Tristani's caretaker in a lot of ways. And so it would go against everything that he worked towards, stood for, believed in to disagree with what the Tristani was doing. But I want to know how that went down, right? Like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have so many questions. Like, what was that conversation like? If this yeah. is, if, you know, if in next episode we get confirmation that it really was Tristani, which again, if Prof says so, I'm really inclined to believe it. Same. What was Tulsimir's actual involvement? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, and I but guess... also it makes sense because he's a guild leader and he yes. would know about Atrada being a really good assassin and he would know about Massacre Girl and he would know about because they're from Rakdos and because he, he knows Judith and he would knows you know, um, he, he was knows at the party. goings on. He was at the party. He probably knew that um, you know, he probably was able to figure out when Tessa was alone at her yep. manor, right? Um, before her murder happened. And so it's all just like click, 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 click into place. Yep. Yep. It was like it was It makes sense. I was I was very satisfied alongside Proft, you know, <laughs> like over, oh yes, he did it, you know, and yes. he solved the crime. <laughs> but we know, I mean, now that the killer has been revealed, how is this going to unfold? I mean, all of the guild leaders are right there in Vitugazi before a very powerful and now we know murderous dryad. I mean, this cannot be good. But we will just have to find out what happens in our final two episodes of MKM coming to you soon. There are so many cool things to check out around this set. Murders at Karlov Manor is out right now, so you can see all these characters on cards. You can listen to the full audiobooks, also released on our podcast platforms. They are also available on YouTube. And you can read up on today's story as well as many more at mtgstory.com, where you can find all the resources I just mentioned. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Oh, if you haven't left a review for us on your favorite podcast platform, please do. We super appreciate everyone's feedback. We will see you in our next episode, but until then, have, have a magical, magical day. day.